Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today I'm going to be talking to the founder and chef of the Robert Spencer Hospitality Group. His name is Paul Schufelt. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me. So Paul, you right now are at the restaurant. It is local time here in Edmonton just after three o'clock in the afternoon. And so you must be just getting ready for the big dinner rush and you're right before Christmas. Everybody's out celebrating and having a good time. I can't believe that we even managed <laughs> to get five minutes of your time, let alone a half hour here. Yeah, when I told the team I needed some time to sit and uh, do this interview, they're like, really? Uh, you know we're really busy tonight. I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'll be good. <laughs> I'll make it quick and then we'll jump back in the kitchen. So from a, <laughs> from a, a dress shirt into a chef's coat in a matter of no time. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you taking the time today to share your experience. And so the first thing I always ask every entrepreneur is what, in your opinion, are the three things that are most important for every entrepreneur to know? Uh, wow, that's a great question to start off with. Uh, one, I think uh, no matter how much you think you know about being an entrepreneur or going out on your own, it's going to be harder than you think. <laughs> uh, I think that's really important for, for people to understand. Uh, it's daunting, uh, especially when you're, you're, you're solo and you're small and you're starting out. Uh, you know, everyone's turning to you for the, for the answers to the questions and, uh, you're not going to know all of them, right? So some of those things you have to kind of, uh, fake your way through it or learn really quickly and adapt and adjust. And, uh, I mean, I think the second thing is, um, take a deep breath. Don't get too, uh, excited about the high highs and don't get too discouraged about the low lows. I think of uh, our first few months when we opened the first location workshop eatery, uh, how, you know, you'd, you'd finish a night and you'd read a review and it was amazing you were so excited and then you'd wake up the next day and the hot water tank wasn't working and you know <laughs> it just felt like you're on this incredible roller coaster and it was the yeah. you know, probably the first 90 or 120 days where every day you're like oh we're gonna make it we're gonna be amazing and then the next breath you're like oh my god I, are we gonna pay our bills next week sort of thing and yeah. um yeah i think you know take a deep breath and uh you know take things with a bit of a grain of salt would be the second thing i, I would say and um, and I think, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's cliche to say, but trust your gut. Mm. Uh, if I, if I look back at, you know, some of my missteps or mistakes along the way, the vast majority of time, I knew the right decision in the moment and I doubted myself, uh, about doing the right thing. Um, and you know, sometimes it was because uh, I was unsure of myself. Sometimes it was, well, this path might be easier if I go this way. And even when the path was seemed easier in the grand scheme of things, it usually ended up being more difficult or more daunting. So trust your gut. You know, usually you've, you've got a pretty good feeling, you know, that initial reaction uh, to how you respond to a question or a challenge or something or an opportunity that comes up. More often than not, in my experience anyways, it's, it's it's the that's the right path yeah yeah it, it's it's amazing right i mean we kind of have a sixth sense about us and uh and so it's difficult to relearn that skill i think in trusting because there are so many times in which we're kind of taught not to uh that you're supposed to look at the numbers and analyze this and so on and i i i can relate back to my business ample media and so when i started that business i started it on the side of my desk sort of from my other business 
um, just as a, as a bit of a pet project, so to speak. And uh, I never, if I would have analyzed the numbers and just jumped into it, I would never have started it because I would have been like, this just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute out. It, it's not going to be uh, something that is going to be viable, at least not for a while. And so yeah, the organic nature of it and then just kind of following it when opportunities open up, that really uh, allowed me to grow it. And I'm really thankful for that. But had I analyzed the numbers and not trusted my gut on it, yeah, I would have been like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, and it's funny you say that as well, too, because it, it makes me think of the uh, the doubters along the way, uh, yeah. you know, that come to you and say, why would you go out and take that risk and go out on your own and put us, you know, sacrifice your time and your money and, and your energy? Yeah. And I, I, they just don't get it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think of lo family and loved ones who are like, you're crazy. Or you, why do you do this? And, you know, even on my hard days, I still really love what I do. And if it was strictly about the numbers and work-life balance and all that fun stuff, I probably would have never ventured into this in the first place. But yeah. uh, it's a labor of love, and, and you have to kind of uh, block out some of that noise. So those people that are going to say you're crazy, you know, that's <laughs> important to, to remind people of as well. Well, and in particular in the restaurant business, right? And so this is one of those those businesses that you hear a lot of people say, like, like everybody romanticizes about it. Everybody wants it. I would love to have a restaurant, not because I'm a great cook or anything like that, or that I'm really any particular foodie, um, but I enjoy food. But what I enjoy is the idea of the hospitality nature of it, right? Hosting people and so on. And so I'd be the guy greeting people and giving them, you know, a free shot of this, a free shot of that, and have a drink and being social. That's yeah. what I'd be doing, which is probably drive away most people because they'd be like, God damn it, I came here, Lance, to have a nice, quiet meal, and you just keep bothering me. But that is what would appeal to me in it. But, you know, everybody talks about just like that is one of the hardest <laughs> businesses to get, you know, to find success in. Now, you've been at this since uh, May 2015. You started your first one, right? And so that was uh, the workshop and then uh, Woodshed. You have two locations and now you just opened up recently in Cameron Heights with Hayloft. And so what's the secret here how come you're successful and how is it that you're able to continue to grow this into more and more locations and not uh, even the same like you're not really franchising you only have the one where there's two of the same uh yeah. name everything else is kind of unique i i think it's insanity to be perfectly honest <laughs> if i was smart i probably would have stopped at one but uh you know i i think for us um you know when when workshop opened as I said, you kind of went through that roller coaster, but then we reached a point where it's like, I think we have something here. I think we've created a great neighborhood place that people want to come and visit. Uh, and, you know, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We're not going to give you the perfect meal every night, but we're going to do our best to take care of you. We're going to do our best to show empathy when we're not perfect. We're going to do our part to make you feel like um, a friend or neighbor, not a customer in our business. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we worked hard at building that relationship with the neighborhood and the people around us, and we saw success. And we reached that, you know, I guess myself personally, I reached that point where it's like, okay, well, this is working, so what's next? Yeah. Uh, and then we, you know, took that leap and, uh, you know, opened Woodshed and kind of kept growing from there. And, you know, a lot of our growth came during the pandemic as sort of, uh, uh, I'd compare it maybe to a gambler going, uh, I, you know, if we can weather this, let's, you know, let's push our chips in a little bit more. And if we get yeah. to the other side of this, we might have some real success here. But I think all along the way, the thing for us is, is, is trying our best to 
not forget that what what our first success was was being a good neighborhood restaurant providing a good meal and taking care of our guests and if we can hold true to that you know for the most part the dollars and cents work out yeah um, you know it, it, it's a hard business no doubt I mean <laughs> Um, the industry average for full-service restaurants, the last I checked, was about a 1.8% net profit. Uh, that's not great <laughs> by any means. Uh, and I think some of the best are lucky if they maybe make 10 or 15%. So you work your tail off for not a lot left at the end of the day. So it really is a labor of love. But uh, I think that 1.8% is skewed down by a lot of the people, like you just mentioned yourself, that romanticize the idea of being a restaurateur. And, oh, I'll just open wine with my friends and I'll buy this guy this and I'll sit and socialize with them. And then they open a restaurant and realize they're watching their money run out the door very, very yeah. quickly. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think... You know, for us, it's it, it, it's really been about taking care of the guests and, and uh, having a keen eye on, on watching those pennies as well, too, because that is really yeah. important in our business. So now if I were to, you know, try to get in the head of Paul when Paul is thinking about opening his second restaurant or his fourth restaurant, uh, the, I, what am, what's going through Paul's mind at that point? Because you, you deviated from... The, the brand that you had, you created a whole new uh, concept in each of those leaps, right? So yeah. I'm just curious the thinking there, and uh, uh, because for me, uh, you know, I think, well, it would make a lot of sense just to have multiple locations of the same restaurant, the franchising kind of model. You definitely departed from that for the most part. So yeah, yeah, walk me through that decision. For sure. Uh, yeah, again, I would come back to maybe insanity. It probably would have been a lot easier to have three or four workshop eateries where the menu is the same and the experience is the same and the expectations are the same. But uh, I think for us, it was, you know, the, the chef in me, the creative guy in me wanted to have different outlets to express the creativity and different experiences for our guests. I mean, Edmonton's a, a relatively small city. You know, the greater Edmonton area is about a million people. How many workshop eatery visits can they have in a, in a week, in a month, in a year? Uh, but if we're giving them a different experience, something more casual, you know, workshop's a nice place where you might go with your wife or another couple to celebrate, you know, a milestone or a great night. Woodshed Burgers was sort of something a little more casual, more approachable, where you might, you know, take the kids before the soccer game and, you know, get dinner in in a rush or, or pick up takeout on your way home because you're not feeling like uh, cooking. But you're still getting a lot of that similar uh, expectations of quality and standards and that type of service. You know, obviously more relaxed, but you're you're getting that con uh, continuity of, of guest experience just in a bit of a different setting, right? And then there's the, the, the chef side of it. Woodshed specifically came out of the uh, desire to be responsible with the people I do business with. And one of the, the things we've really been proud of is supporting a lot of local businesses and farmers and, and uh, suppliers. But one of our challenges was workshop was so small that I couldn't just buy a whole cow. I could only buy the nice cuts. Well, that was great for me and for our guests, but wasn't great for the partners and the farmers we were working with. And that's really where the idea where Woodshed came was well, how do I buy the whole animal and use everything? And uh, burgers came to mind right away because there's a lot of trim on, a, on an animal. Uh, and it's a casual approach. It's fun. You can be playful as a chef. Uh, the food isn't pretentious. So it was, you know, a compliment to workshop, but at the same time, a much more casual and approachable uh, uh, venue or, or a restaurant and a much more... Uh, 
uh, you know, fun and playful uh, experience for our cooks to kind of have some fun and be creative with the menu and uh, allowed us to be responsible with that partner that we work with, uh, with Aviv. So, you know, he and I have become good friends over the years and we kept going back and forth like, how do I buy more from you and how do we build this on this relationship? And that's really where that came from. So, so there is a method to the madness after there all. Is. And actually <laughs> on that, I mean, Hayloft, uh, you, you've been to Hayloft. Hayloft is the evolution of that because we were doing the workshop and the uh, and woodsheds and greenhouse sort of under several roofs. Now we're using the whole animal essentially under one roof where uh, Hayloft has the beautiful loins, dry edge loins on display and uses various cuts of the steaks. And then right next door on the lounge side, the woodshed burgers offers the burgers. So we've taken that idea with, that we did globally throughout the company and now really see it, uh, uh, you know, really dialed in at, at, at Hayloft specifically. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and it is. It's absolutely fantastic. If I had meals in every one of your restaurants and every one of them do do not disappoint it's really good the dining experience is fantastic in the upper end part and then like you said just the approachability that you have to the scaled down or the 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 more casual dining that is happening um it's just it's incredible and the food is just really good so the playfulness of your menu is also something that is something that obviously that you're proud of something that you're trying to do and you like to be creative in that way and it's definitely showing so congratulations on that now one of the things that i'm curious about is uh you know a lot of your growth like you mentioned earlier on was through covid where you you, you pushed your chips in and went, okay, well, let's just keep yeah. riding this out. Uh, what did you learn from COVID specifically? <laughs> uh, that there's no, uh, no chapter in business school or no chapter <laughs> in culinary school about how to weather a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it comes back to what we, we, we started with, with the trusting your gut and, and um, you know, looking at the opportunities that uh, arise you know so often it's easy to say oh this is a problem and this is going to be a roadblock but if you take you know take those glasses off for a second and look at it from a different perspective you can see that there's potential here you know if we can uh, capitalize on this market right now and and leverage a time when you know people aren't taking as many risks and take calculated risks we can come out on the other side of this, uh, you know, a larger company uh, that's more, you know, growing and, and, and doing more. So that was yeah. sort of the mindset there. Yeah. Well, I, and and I applaud you for that. And that is something that uh, we took a similar approach, actually, with our business as well, is there was a lot of companies that were just cutting back their staff and really reducing, right? And, and for good reason, because we didn't know what the heck was going to be happening at the very beginning of it. The contracts were kind of put on pause or canceled altogether. Mm-hmm. And as a service-based business, it was, it was really scary, as it was for so many other ones. But um, what I did is, is, you know, my product is my staff, really, because um, we're service. And so I didn't lay anybody off. We kept the staff on, and we just pushed hard into our own marketing. We didn't open up more locations like you did, but we just pushed hard into trying to uh, do more business development. And when things started to turn around, we had the staff still to be able to take on that work when people are like, okay, yeah, this is going to last a while. We better keep our business marketing going and so uh, we were able to benefit I think disproportionate to our competition and so we were able to grab some market share and grow uh, through that and so 
similar, it sounds like, to what you're, you're talking about, too, just in a slightly different way. Yeah, you touched on something really important there uh, as well. Um, I remember, I don't know, I, I, what I would call it, day two or day three of COVID, where it was sort of like, oh, this is a reality. We have to lay off basically the entire workforce. And that was gut-wrenching to have to sit and have yeah. those conversations with people and let them know that. Uh, thankfully, you know, the community really rallied around us and, and you know, our pivoting to do takeout quickly and, and change the model from at workshops specifically to a second woodshed location just to try to get people coming through the doors. And we managed to bring a lot of people, a lot of our employees back. I would say about 90 to 95% of those people that we had to lay off right away, like within a couple of days, like by, by day 10 or something like that of the pandemic, most of our workforce was back in some capacity. Yeah. Maybe not in the same role they were, uh, pre-pandemic but uh, most of the team was back uh, and I think that also gave us that opportunity to grow because we already had that core and they were loyal to us because they know that we stuck our necks out yep. to try to keep them employed and you know provide for their families during this chaotic time and I think that really you know gave us a bit of a leg up and I hear so many of our peers struggling for people and it's not to say that we don't struggle but I think we've been luckier than most because we've managed to keep a lot of those great people around uh, and you know just see them be even more motivated to want to grow and take that next opportunity so yeah yeah and I think you're you're bang on and it's really interesting that uh, we're talking about employees because just last week I was down on your south side location of uh, your woodshed down there and uh, I was talking to one of your staff members who was exceptional by the way and that's what I was mentioning to her I just said like your, your service was really great really appreciated it um, and uh, then I was asking if, if Paul was around and and I think she said that you were busy over actually where you're at right now at Hayloft yeah. and and uh, and stuff and and she had made a comment just about how much she appreciated she's a long-term employee been there for a lot a lot of years and appreciated just the fact that uh, there's just so much uh, within your business so much ability to uh, pick up shifts all the way around and so she can stay as busy as what she wants to and obviously plays an important role in the business and so uh, your employees are definitely saying it when you're not there as well exactly what you just said in terms of <laughs> that, appreciation. That's, that's good to hear you know and I think yeah. that that um, in our bit I mean you mentioned being in a service business as well too and you know as much as I'm a chef first and I'd love you love it I uh, love it to be about the food. I understand that that's not the case. You know, food is important, but it's that guest experience. And, and we're so lucky to have so many amazing people that work with, with us. And, um, yeah, we want to, you know, pat them on the back and reward them and thank them every day because uh, they, they create that special experience. And we, see, we have a saying in our industry that, you know, you can get a, a hot meal and a cold beer or a cold drink pretty much anywhere. It's those little things you do along the way. Uh, that make people feel special and remember uh, you know I'm not going out for a burger I'm going to see Paul at Woodshed I'm going to yeah. see uh, Jill at that workshop or whatever that may be right because they're creating that connection and that memory with someone right and that's a hard thing to do but we pride ourselves on trying to do that with as many people as we can so besides you know the obvious answers that one would have to uh, this question I uh, which is what is it that's going to really fuel the growth and the success of you know your group of of businesses your group of restaurants and and catering and so on um besides the obvious answers to that which is you know investment in people and making sure they're happy and and being a good uh member of the community and building that community besides those 
typical answers. What would you say is going to be the key to your success? Oh, I was going to say most of those obvious things you just <laughs> said, so now I have to think of something better. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, our industry specifically, and I wouldn't speak just to us, I would speak to the restaurant uh, industry as a whole. Yep. I think the most agile entrepreneurs, the uh, most agile restaurateurs, are going to be the ones that survive and thrive through this. Mm -hmm. uh, we have taken a beating over the last few years, and I think a lot of us felt that, and myself included, that if we can just weather the pandemic and get everyone vaccinated and get people back uh, to business, life will be good. And then uh, supply chain challenges, and then inflation, and then the increased utilities, and the increased everything. And then it, it just never stopped. Uh, and I think it's really going to be the, the, the leaders and the chefs and the restaurateurs that can understand how much our industry has changed in the last three years and can adapt most quickly and see the forest through the trees. Uh, I think that's going to be really important. I think you're unfortunately going to see a lot of, uh, especially small business restaurants, um, fold or, or uh, shutter or turnover this year uh, you know we're not we're not through the worst of it yet unfortunately uh, and it's going to be about how we adapt uh, how we make changes uh, to find a new model that works I mean uh, our, our industry is a bit broken um, you know we continue to raise prices we continue to see gratuities go up we can continue to pass costs off to customers and at some point, you know, the customer is not going to be able to afford it. You're starting to see that already creep into the marketplace. And yep. um, what are we going to do to change? What are we going to do to change expectations when people come in and dine? What are we going to do to, you know, maintain affordability without sacrificing the experience? And that's something that we're we're wrapping our heads around uh, right now. I think I'm losing some hair in the process of <laughs> trying to figure it out, but. Uh, yeah, I think the agility and the adaptability is going to be the, the big thing over the next uh, next little while. So without tipping your hand too much, do you do you have some, some strategies that you're planning on rolling out to address those exact concerns? Yeah, I mean, we're working on a, on, a, on a few different things. I think we're diversifying. Um, you know, I think of our greenhouse restaurant group. We're looking at making a few moves there. Uh, that, that does the food and beverage for the golf courses uh, for the city of Edmonton. Uh, great initiative for about five months of the year, but as you can attest to today, uh, nobody's golfing when it's minus 30 out. Uh, so we're finding ways to make that uh, business model more sustainable year-round, which I think is going to help us. Uh, we're looking at um, launching more, uh, you know, heat and serve uh, items, grab and go items for uh, customers to pick up uh, and take home, do things a little bit more affordably. And then from there, it's really, you know looking at the statements, spending time in the trenches, uh, and really looking at our business and taking a hard look, you know, even, you know, for myself included, like, um, is this thing essential? Is it necessary for our success? Um, is this the best value for our guest? Are, are there other opportunities there? I mean, we've, uh, been doing a ton of that in the last 90 days to, you know, make sure every penny is used as wisely as possible. And I, I, I don't think that's ended yet. I think we still have work to do, so. Yeah, those are yeah. some of the things we're doing. Yeah, yeah, completely. So this is another question that I often like to ask people, and that is if they had the ability to write their younger entrepreneurial self a letter. So, so Paul of 2015, before you started your first restaurant there, um, what would be in that letter that you would send back to yourself? 
What would you oh. say? It might sound counterintuitive to what I or, or counter to what I've just said in the last little bit, but I think part of what I would write in there for sure is uh, to, to better define what success is mm. uh, for yourself and understand that it's not a number, it's not a amount of stores, it's not a dollar sign, it's not this many sales, this much profit. Um, as I get older and uh, want to spend more time with family and loved ones and have more balance in my life, uh, I'm really finding myself redefining uh, what's going to make us successful. Um, I think that was something that, uh, you know, I didn't clearly define eight years ago and I'm still trying to, to navigate now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like a good piece of advice, definitely for your younger <laughs> self, but also the other entrepreneurs who are listening today. And so uh, if any of those people who are listening wanted to connect with you, what's the best way to do so uh, besides popping into one of the, the, the restaurants? Uh, I'm all over social media, usually ranting and raving about something, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. So Chef Paul, she felt uh, on, on those Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, yeah, or just drop me a line, uh, send me an email, paul at robertspencerhosp.com. Likely I'll get to it at some point. Um, or yeah, uh, the, the best way is uh, pop by a restaurant and ask if I'm in the kitchen or, or running around. I'm always happy to say hi to uh, someone who's interested about the business or wants to talk about food or wine or any of that fun stuff. Happy to pay a visit to a table and chat with someone. So. Excellent. Well, we aren't going to keep you any longer because we know that you got to get back into that, uh, into the, into your, the your chef's uniform and, <laughs> and in the, yeah, into the fire and making sure that you have some uh, people that are going to be thrilled with whatever it is that's going to be on the menu there tonight. So I uh, thank you for taking the time, Paul. And for those of you who are listening, who really enjoyed this episode, you can check out our archives over at amplifyyourbusiness.ca or obviously just search Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. And if you're hungry, get down to one of Paul's restaurants. You're not going to be disappointed. Thanks again, Paul. Thanks so much. Yeah.